Well, we didn't block it, no. But we made up for it by not tackling. This podcast is brought to you by Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you have an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. They're also the newest sponsor of the Cannon Fire podcast. From wide format banners, decals, vehicle wraps, to much, much more. Give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Oh man, it was a rough Sunday morning for Buccaneers fans around the globe. As Tampa Bay went into London and they drop a huge division game 37 to 26 and now you're 2 and 4 headed into the bye week. You're not going to beat very many people turning the ball over seven times. And uh, here today on the show, we're going to break down everything that you should know coming off of that disappointing loss in London. But if you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And Evan, to be frank, man, I'm still upset that I woke myself up at... 8.30 in the morning for this garbage. I mean, how are uh, how are you feeling? Um, you know, there was kind of a feeling like when I woke up. So I had to get up early anyway because I had some stuff to do. So didn't really impact me uh, as much because I would, would have still had to got, get up early. Um, but there was a feeling when I woke up, I was like, I... This is either going to go really good or, or really bad, and uh, unfortunately, you know, we went um, the the really bad route. 
You know, and it's one of those things, too, where we talked about it last week after the Saints game. You kind of get that feeling of if it's going to go well, if it's not. Um, and for the Saints game, it took about a quarter and a half, right up until halftime, for it to creep in and tell me, all right, the Bucks are not going to win this game. Uh, first play from scrimmage in London, Jameis Winston throws an interception to Bradbury. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't his only interception of the day. He threw five of them. You can't really ignore that, and of course he's the hot topic for all Buccaneers fans right now because it's year five for Jameis Winston, and the narrative all year has been how can B.A. get him better, how can he make that next step as a quarterback, and uh, from what we saw on Sunday, he's still making a lot of rookie mistakes that simply should not be made in year five. So we're going to open up the show, we're going to talk about Jameis Winston, we've had a little over a day to cool down. Because it is 1 o'clock. The game ended about 1 o'clock yesterday. But now that I have a level head, and now that I've kind of just had time to digest everything, the season is not over. Let's throw that out there as well. The season is absolutely not over. You're 2-4 and four headed into the bye week. It is not an ideal position because you are playing from behind. But of course, there's going to be some adjustments made in the bye week. And I'm sure we'll uh, talk about what some of those might be before the show is over. Let's talk about Jameis Winston. Let me throw out the stat line for you, and we'll go from there. For Jameis Winston on Sunday, 30 for 54, passing, 399 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions, with a 46.8 quarterback rating. And don't forget two fumbles, one of which he lost. And those two fumbles on back-to-back plays I was telling you before the show, I, I said after week one, I couldn't defend Jameis any longer. Um, but since that game against San Francisco, he really hadn't given me very much that I had to defend. You know what I mean? He, he did his job. He kept it clean for the most part. And it looked like he had finally started taking steps towards that consistency that we've been looking for ever since the beginning of his career. Um but this is Jameis Winston we're talking about, so naturally, once I get to thinking he's taken that step, he takes two big leaps backwards and burns the London Bridges down. So I'm starting to lean towards the spectrum of Jameis simply not being that guy. And I'm not fully there yet. I'm not saying we need to get rid of him tomorrow because he's probably going to ride out the season. I give him maybe two more games to have a game like he did in Carolina for me to put the nail in the coffin. But his decision-making on Sunday was just infuriating at times. I mean, B.A. even said it in his post-game presser. <clears throat> just throw the damn ball away. I mean, how are you feeling on Jameis right now after uh, after that performance? Yeah, so when when you said, like, if he has, like, you're getting a two-game versus Tennessee and Seattle, the, the thing about Jameis Winston is that he's not going to have a Carolina game like that again this year, I don't think. Like, you don't think he'll throw that's, that's three the issue. plus picks the rest of the year? And, and that, well, I'm maybe not, three, but I don't think any more than three. Um, then that's the issue with Jameis Winston. You know, he will be... Up and down, and he'll he'll have a down game versus San Francisco, then play good football for three to four games, 
make you believe that, you know, hey, you know, this guy, I mean, he has talent, and that's what, you know, his talent's on display for those three to four games, and then there comes a game like this one. So um, I don't expect James Winston to play that bad for the rest of the season because if you look at that Cincinnati game, Cincinnati game last year, he threw four interceptions, didn't play week nine, didn't play week 10, and didn't get the start week 11, came in week 11 in the second half, played well, and then played well for the rest of the year. That's just what he is. Um, and at this point, it doesn't seem like that's going to change. The one concerning thing, though, to me, is that these games never really happened in the first three years of his career or so. Right. Um, he never had, like, there was, I think, one against the Panthers, actually, like, four interception game. It was just bad. It was just rookie season, I think. Um, but now this is back-to-back years where he just had these awful performances. And, I mean... Personally, I think he should have had four interceptions because the one, his arm got hit because the offensive line just got blown up as they were getting blown up all day. And to be fair, they yeah, they didn't do anyone any favors on the offensive side of the ball, and we'll we'll break that down a little bit later. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, the offensive line, they allowed six sacks in the first half. They allowed six sacks all game uh, last week versus the Saints. I mean, you know, people complain about DeMar Dotson, and I always say, you know, the Bucks could do worse than DeMar Dotson. Well, that was worse. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like I said, with DeMar Dotson and Alex Kappa in there, they gave up six sacks all game, which obviously is not good at all. But they gave up six sacks all game in New Orleans versus six sacks in one half of football uh, versus Carolina. And that's just, yeah. But anyways, back to Jameis. Um, like I said, he's just, he's going to be this guy that flashes potential and talent, and then he'll make two to three plays that just have you going like, what? And then those two to three plays will get on to another two to three plays and then another and another until the game's over and it's out of reach. Um, and that's what happened on, on Sunday. Uh, he starts to press a lot. Um, clearly, clearly the game plan was to get Mike Evans more involved, and that was evident. Um, he tries to thread the needle on first down on the first play of the game, and it's picked off. Uh, not really sure what he was seeing there. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that even, was just... That was a bad throw. You had Luke Keekley in coverage yep. right there, and then Bradbury, who was man on man with Evans, he mm-hmm. just tried to force the ball. And it didn't like. And this was kind of like to me, it was kind of like different than the Cincinnati game because the Cincinnati game, his accuracy was just all over the place, right? Like it, the balls were high, they were low. Yeah, um, his, his feet were going nuts. Like his his footwork was not good at all. This game, it just seemed like poor decisions. Um, this game wasn't really about per se accuracy. It was just about like the decision making that he had. The Mike Evans one, you can't try to fit that ball in there. Um, though, like I said, then the second one he had was when his arm was hit. I kind of give him a mulligan on that one. Um, the third one, oh, yeah, the third one was right to Luke Keekley. That yeah, was that, bad. That one was um, unforgivable. I, it was another one of those instances where, like the Cincinnati game. I don't remember who caught the pick. I think was it Vontez Perfect that caught that pick? No, I forget who it was, but, but I it was, remember it was, it was their was other linebacker basically. And, and I mean, yeah. he looked him right in his eyes and just drew and threw it right to him. So that's I had some Vietnam flashbacks when he threw that uh, Luke Keekley pick. Um, and then the fourth one, I mean, it's fourth down, and he throws it right into double coverage to Chris Godwin on easy, uh, just a predictable fourth down play. Just can't happen. And then they're driving. 
to try and make the score look seem more respectable, I guess, at the end of the game. And he throws a jump ball for Mike Evans, and I guess Mike Evans doesn't realize it. Mike Evans overruns it a little bit. Regardless, it's too low for Evans to really jump up for it anyway. So um, that one's picked off then, too. Yeah, that, that's um, a desperation throw if I've ever Yeah, seen I mean, that's just... Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is who he is. And the, the shame of it is, like... Like, and that's why I feel like so many fans and, and media members for that part are so torn on this guy because of these kind of performances versus, you know, his performance in L.A. Um, like, and I feel like the, the front office is probably torn as well. I mean, the front office and Bruce Arians because, like, can you either just suck, like absolutely just suck for, <laughs> for, you know, for 10, 12 games. So when they say, okay, like, and everybody would agree you're done, like you're gone or just be really, really good for 10 to 12 games. And everybody just say, all right, yeah, you're the guy. And then suck like, for four and, of them. And he just doesn't do it. Like he just does not do it. And, and it'll be, you know, 16 games in a season. Eight of them will be good to great. And, the other eight will be horrible, bad to horrible, below average, whatever you want to call it. And it's just – it doesn't seem to have any change in sight. Well, and you had brought it up and summed it up basically perfectly. The The only reason right now I'm not running this guy out of town along with 75% of the other fan base is, it, like you said, he's so up and down. And it's finding that consistency to keep playing well because for three straight weeks he played okay enough at quarterback uh, to where we had seen enough from him and I started to feel a little bit comfortable from him. But then, of course, he has some of these performances and I think a big thing from Sunday is not only decision-making, but we've talked about it here on the show, I know last season, numerous times, he just has that mentality where he tries to do too much. He tries to just make something out of nothing, and ultimately it costs him his ass a few times. Let's look at the two fumbles that he had, two snaps in a row. The offensive line wasn't putting up, well, I mean, they blocked for as long as they possibly could on those two fumbles, but he had to run around, nothing was open, everything was developing, everybody was covered, and instead of just tucking it and running or throwing it away, he's just looking and looking mm -hmm. and scrambling and looking First one, he gets hit from behind, loses the football, recovers it. Second one, well, yeah, the the first one was on the uh, the screen where he looked, he looked to his right, and he pumped, and Ronald Jones was busy, he was covered, and if he throws it, it's a pick six. Well, so if me, if he threw it, it's a pick six. But the problem is, what well, what you're saying basically, if you do that, like, and you pump it, you gotta basically tuck it. Yeah. What he did was he pumped it and kept his. It kept his arms out like that, and that's what led the ball to get knocked loose. Right. Somehow, some way, they recovered that football. But who I, I don't know cares? how. Because Carolina looked like they absolutely had it, and then it pops out again, and then, yeah. Well, at this point, who the hell cares? Because the very next play, they give it up. And like I was saying, he scrambles. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. Gets hit from behind. Loses the football. When all he had to do was throw it away. And... Mm -hmm. Well, even if when he starts scrambling, if you look, he has Ronald Jones as a check down and they kept Jones in. It was a delayed check down because they kept him in as a little bit of like a chip blocker. Um, well, so that's why it wasn't available. He could have picked on Sunday as well. 
Well, yeah. Um, like Carolina's defense is good. I mean, there's just there wasn't a lot. Like Mike Evans got his, Chris Gowan got his, but Chris Gowan kind of like really got his in garbage time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they're they're the one. The one thing I will say that they did do a decent job of, I guess, is getting quick passes out eventually. Um, it was it really, a better it was a better offensive game plan than it was New Orleans. It didn't seem um, like we started to see those quick passes formulate <clears throat> until the second half, though. It was yeah. really when they started to come in abundance and they started to work. So, like, what does that say? I mean, yeah, adjustments were made at halftime, but should have been doing that from the beginning, man, because we know from last week that those long, drawn-out plays just don't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, like... They, they, their offensive game plans have just been so weird this year, and I, I'm I'm just not really sure. But the the biggest thing for me on that fumble was that was at a big moment in the game uh, because they were in the red zone, right? They got in the red zone, and then they did the fumble, got them out of the red zone, but they recovered the ball. So you're thinking, all right, well, you know, you, you're still fine. Like, you still have a few more tries to get there. You kick a field goal. And then that happens, and it's a turnover, and, and that's that. And you, that can't happen. That, that has to be either three points or seven points. Yeah. Um, that, that that cannot happen. Um, and, I mean, I mean it, the shame of it is I he's not dumb. Like, he knows it. It's just when, like, and, and, and he'll look at the film and be the first to admit it, and, and that's the bad part. But he just doesn't do it. Like, he knows that he held onto the ball too long. Like he's not trying execution. to say, he's not trying to say, "Oh no, I held onto the ball perfectly fine." No, like he knows, like he'll admit, like he he threw, like he threw a bad ball. He held onto the ball too long, but he just doesn't do it, man. And like in the NFL, you got to execute on Sundays, or else you're not going to have a long career. And Jameis Winston right now is really reminding me of just uh, Vinny Testaverde. He just really is. Um, He's a guy who's going to, you know, throw a lot of turnovers, um, throw a lot of turnovers, have a lot of turnovers, um, but throw also throw a lot of touchdowns and, and give the team a shot to win um, on a lot of Sundays. So it, he, he's going to have a long NFL career, whether that's get, in Tampa or, or in somewhere else. It just might be a backup role. And get this. The touchdown pass that he threw in London was the 100th touchdown pass of his career, and that makes him the only Tampa Bay quarterback in franchise history to throw for 100 touchdowns as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, yeah. So take that information as you will. <laughs> if, he, if, he cut, if he cut the turnovers by not even half, by 30 40%, he'd He's be He's the fine. best quarterback in Bucks history. Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue he almost is right now. It's, I mean, that's not saying much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think he could argue, um, like pure, like probably might be, um, based on like obviously Buck's career. Obviously, you could say, oh, Steve Young, but yeah, we all know <laughs> Steve Young wasn't Steve Young in a Bucks uniform. Um, I tell people but, yeah, all the time, I mean, Bo Jackson's that's, the best running back in Buccaneers history. Yeah, that that's stupid. <laughs> like, come on. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know, man, and they. It's a tough decision to make because of how he performs like that, you know, the inconsistency, and that's what makes it so tough. Um, logic would say franchise tag him, but logic also says, would you, right now, let me ask you a question, would you rather Jameis Winston at 25 to $30 million a year, depending on what the franchise tag is, okay, or 
a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract and you can spend that money elsewhere? The, the, I, the, the answer should be easy. Can I pick neither? What because, would you want? What would I want? I would want the Buccaneers to target a top offensive line talent in the first round of April and maybe look at some veteran quarterbacks in the offseason. That the what veteran? What Teddy Bridgewater? Like that? I don't know. Like see that's the only a, one. See who's available. He's the we, only one. We said before, though. Like we said before, Jameis doesn't have to be an All Pro. He just has to be a service a serviceable quarterback who can manage a game and not turn the ball over. I mean, I'm sure there's not going to be that many great veteran quarterbacks sitting around in free agency this offseason. But somebody who can manage a game and at least put us in a position to win instead of do more harm than good, I think is what this team would need. But, I mean, that's just the way that I would want it to play out. I don't have any names in particular. Teddy Bridgewater, who at this point, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he'll probably be in New Orleans again next year because they're not going to give him up that easy. Yeah, well, they might try to maybe trade him, get something for him, maybe. Like, so, like sign him and then, like, maybe trade him. Um, yeah, let, let me see. Here are the, the, the list of the 2020 quarter free agent quarterbacks, okay? You tell me if any of these guys are going to hit the market. Drew Brees? No. No. Tom Brady? No. no. Philip Rivers? No. No. Uh, Eli Manning? No. Maybe, but maybe, <laughs> but no. Uh, Marcus Mariota? Maybe, but no. No. Jameis Winston, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, but no. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, and then you have uh, Chase Daniel, Case Keenum, Chad Henney, Drew Stanton, Colt McCoy, AJ McCarron, Trevor Simeon, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Blake Bortles, uh, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott ain't gonna be going anywhere. Um, so yeah, it's there's a bunch of mess. So you either your options like. I feel like if I like, give me a straight answer here. Like, no, I get you. It, would you, I, I would you it. rather you like at... the, the rookie quarterback on the rookie contract? That's the biggest deal right there. The, yeah. the money wants, or Jameis Winston as he currently is, and you know what he is basically twenty five to thirty million just for one year, but just twenty five to thirty million. Uh, I'm gonna go rookie quarterback. Yeah, and it you you, I mean this this. Quarterback class is loaded. Um, yeah, it is for the first time in a while. Like you have two attack of Viola, right? Who I the Bucks are not going to get because they're not going to have a top three pick. Um, even if they want to move on from Winston, they're not going to get him. Justin Herbert, who I don't think they'll end up getting him either, but they won't have a top three pick. But then you know, a guy I really like is Joe Burrow uh, from LSU. He yeah, has been he, he's been uh, talking spectacular. the town this week. I mean, even he's, BA has his eyes on him. Yeah, uh, Bruce, yeah, um, J.C. Cornell, who's pretty plugged in uh, with what is going on, has not hit on everything, but, I mean, it's pretty close. Um, so he basically says that, like, well, B.A. loves James Winston, and right now they're not going to make any type of switch. Like, James is their guy right now. A quarterback that Bruce Arians really likes is Joe Burrow. I'm not 100% sure if Bruce Arians would like to, you know, draft a quarterback and basically start all over because he's, you know, he's 67. He don't want to win. You know, he don't want to, he wants to win now. He, you know, right. doesn't want to wait. So, but there's interest in Burrow and obviously 
Like everybody's like, oh my god, they're scouting quarterbacks. What well, every team scouts quarterbacks. They wouldn't no, be no doing matter. their job if they weren't scouting exactly. quarterbacks. Like, like scouts, like yes, you scout every position. I'm sure they they have a, a draft grade on the top the top ranked wide receiver as well. Even though they you know they're not going to pick a wide receiver. I'm sure you know they have Jerry Judy. I'm sure they've scouted Jerry Judy from Alabama, right? right. Like um, you have to because you never know what situation is going to come up. Um, you know, so there's pressure on, on Winston now and, and he has to, he has to do well, but I mean, yeah, with this quarterback class stacked, I mean, I think Tennessee's mind is pretty well made up. I think they're going to move on from Marcus Mariota, um, and he'll get a backup job somewhere, maybe in Tampa, who knows? Um, even though Mariota is not really like Arian's type of guy, if Arian stays and I'm going to get into that, um, a little bit here about like maybe the future of like the whole structure of like the organization. Um, but yeah, I mean, to wrap it up, like Winston has to perform well because there's this stacked quarterback class is not good for, for team, for quarterbacks um, that are not playing very well right now. And that, that could be the demise of Mariota and it could be a, the, the demise of James Winston as well. And it's very sad to think about 2015, the first and second overall picks of that draft. I remember and how divided the you know, fan base was. You know what was. the bad part is? That I think like the Bucks actually made the right decision. Like, oh, to be fair, Winston, yeah, I'll take Winston, Winston has been any better. Um, but pre-draft, I had Mariota ranked higher. Um, like if I was picking number one, I would have picked Mariota. I'd probably already be fired by now. But, um, <laughs> you know, but hey, I mean, yeah, Winston's been better. That's not saying much, but Winston, I mean, yeah, he has been better, but looking back on it, what they should have done was picked a guy like Brandon Scherf or Leonard Williams at number one, and then waited and drafted a guy trade up for Carson Wentz or something, or waited another year and got one of Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, something like that. But well, whatever. at least they weren't in a situation where they traded up and drafted Mitch Trubisky. Um, Over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun yeah, Watson. Yeah, yeah. So... We spent about 25 minutes talking about Jameis Winston, and I'll wrap it up with this. I could like spend I, more, but... Yeah, like <laughs> I said at the beginning, uh, I mean, I've been done defending this guy. He hasn't given me much to defend him about. Sunday's performance was inexcusable. I give him two more games like that this season before I'm ready to run him out of town. But it's all about him finding that consistency that we've talked about, and uh, there's no doubt right now that the pressure is definitely on for Jameis Winston. So let's hope he can get it turned around, because if not, we could be talking about a new Buccaneers franchise quarterback. Let's talk about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, two of some of the only bright spots from Sunday. Chris Godwin, 10 catches for 151 yards. Mike Evans for 9 catches, 96 yards. Uh, Chris Godwin continues his elite wide receiver pace. And Mm -hmm. to be frank, I think Mike Evans looks like he's losing hope more and more every single week because he, he does not deserve what's going on right now. Yeah, but um, got a little bone to pick with Mike Evans. Yeah? Lay yeah. it out there, buddy. That deep ball that James Winston threw at the end of the half was perfect. Oh, man. That was beautiful, and that's a touchdown, but Mike Evans drops it. 
That's yeah. right in the breadbasket. You have to catch that ball. That I mean, well, that was perfect, and, and it, he just drops it. And it could have set it. Well, it would have set us up for points because as yeah, close as it, it would have gotten points. Um, but I think that drop in particular, him bobbling the ball, just about sums up the season so far. Would you say? <laughs> I you know it's I, right I tweeted, there. It's right I, I, there, but you just can't hang on to it. You know, and I tweeted, I was like, I guess, like, after that, I was like, man, today's just not the Bucks' day. And they're like, well, what is? Like, a lot of people were replying to me, like, which one is? Like, the, there, there's no, any day that ends in Y is not the Bucks' day. I was like, all right, well, um, whatever. My bad. Um, but, you know, my, you got to come up with that one. Like, you had a good game, but got to come up with that one. And yeah. just didn't. And, yeah, just, like, I feel like that, that was, like, really deflating right there. And Bubba Wilson's muff punt, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that was that was the the nail in the coffin. That definitely was, and yeah, we'll break down. We've got a list of some of the most disappointing. Um, we'll break that down. I got two more stat lines I'm going to throw at you, and then we'll break down the offense defense of what happened in this game. First stat line is Devin White, rookie linebacker, first round draft pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is his first full game as a professional football player. Not a blockbuster day by any means. No, he he played. He he started versus the 49ers. And yeah, but he didn't play the whole game, did he? I'm pretty sure. Because, uh, I mean, he got injured in Carolina, which is week two, so he didn't play that full game. Okay. So I, I'm pretty sure it's technically the second. Well, his first full game back from injury, we'll say yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, not a blockbuster day by any means, but he did lead the team in tackling, and uh, I think he showed us something to build upon. He finished with nine tackles and one tackle for loss. It was a pretty clutch tackle for loss when it happened as well. Um, so, yeah, not a blockbuster day, but the fact that he was able to go out there and be as productive as he was is just something to build upon. And I think it's a good sign coming from a first-round draft pick because I don't know why so many people are labeling him as a bust. And sure, maybe he doesn't come as advertised so far, but he had to get past an injury. His first game against San Francisco was a, a terrible game on both sides of the ball. Um so I think this is a good sign for a younger guy like Devin White. Nine tackles and a tackle for loss. I hate when people label people as busts when they're injured. Like I feel like they wait on can it. Do. I feel like they wait on it. They're like, let me see what happens to this guy within the first like, well, six games of the season, so I can slam them, that button. To 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 them, if you're if you're a first round draft pick and you don't come in here and make an immediate, if you're not an immediate star, you're a bust. Right. Um, and honestly, what doesn't help. Uh, Devin White's case is that um, right now in Pittsburgh, Devin Bush has been playing really good. Um, Defensive rookie of the year material. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think Nick Bosa has really got that on lock, but yeah, uh, I mean, he's true. been he's been fantastic. Um, but I mean, Devin Bush was picked at ten. Devin White was picked at five. So um, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult. Um, to say whether it was the right right move or not because it's way early. But um, right now, just like you said, I, I I would agree exactly with what you said. Like right now, Devin White just isn't coming exactly as advertised. But let's relax because I mean he had an injury. Like chill out. Like yeah, chill now, out. There's one more stat line I'm gonna throw out there, and it's a Panthers player, and I'm sure you already know who it is. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. 
22 uh, I was thinking of another Panthers player. Oh, oh. I, I don't know if we want to talk about him if it's the guy <laughs> we're both thinking of. Uh, 22 oh, carries. Oh, boy. 31 <clears throat> rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. Four catches for 26 reception yards. And you hear that stat line, and you're like, damn, the Buccaneers shut him down once again. Uh, but he also scored two touchdowns. He wasn't yeah. dominant like everyone pinned him to be, and I have to commend the run defense for that. But he did show up exactly when he needed to, and he put up two touchdowns. Uh, the one reception touchdown that he had, he also stiff-armed the shit out of Devin White. <laughs> Jesus. That that was a bad tackling play for the Buccaneers defense, and I mean, he walked it <clears throat> in, made it look easy. And, yeah, it, it was a uh, definitely a low light for Devin White. So we talk about how he gave us something to build upon, but in situations like that, you got to tackle the running back and wrap him up. He got in there for a touchdown. And then his second touchdown, which was a little debated for a little while, uh, was right at the goal line. He dove into the pile, stretched out over the pylon, and he was able to get it. So it is. Yeah, there's on uh, fourth and one, actually, too. Yeah. Fourth and goal. So. Yeah, it is what it is. Buccaneers still lose. There's nothing you can do about it. But – you kind of have to look at Christian McCaffrey, who was advertised as being the guy who could just shred us up, and he didn't exactly do that. He did score two touchdowns, but he, he didn't – I don't know. He didn't put up the big numbers you know, everyone was expecting. I'm going to keep saying it. it. It it does not matter. Like, the run defense, that's great. It does not matter if you can stop the run, if you can't stop the pass at all. Like, And I honestly think the defense didn't play horrible – um, <clears throat> you had a lot of guys who did they, though. They were they were put in really bad positions by the offense, right? Um, because of the seven turnovers and stuff. I mean, that defense was just on the field way too much. Yeah. So in their defense, they didn't play ho- awful. Um, they didn't play great, but I, I think it was a much better showing than it was in New Orleans last week. Um, I think they played better. Um. The only thing they didn't really have was the turnover, which, I mean, they got on special teams, but not on defense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in today's NFL, to me, run defense is great, but if you can't stop the pass, it doesn't matter. And, like, they utilized McCaffrey in the run game a little bit, saw that it really wasn't working, tried to – they lined up McCaffrey a lot as, like, a slot receiver. They lined him up uh, all the way outside a few times, I'm pretty sure, as well, right? Yeah, was, I think it was a few plays. Um, and then, you know, it's sort of, sometimes he was used, used as a decoy almost. Uh, but I don't know. It's like the, the run defense is really good, which I, I mean, me and you both said, like, we thought, like, they, it would be pretty good. But this pass defense, I mean, doesn't matter how good the run defense is. Why, yeah. why, why would teams, if I'm – an opposing offensive coordinator, I maybe run the ball 10 times maybe just to see if I can get anything, is why would I do anything other than pass? Well, why would you do anything other than throw the ball directly at Vernon Hargraves the third, who I wanted to bring up conveniently? Mm. Uh, he put on a terrible performance two weeks in a row. And I swear there was not a play on Sunday where he wasn't, like, slipping and falling over. Like, did you notice that as well? Yeah, it. I don't know. They, they play on turf there, um, and for some players, they don't like that. So I'm not sure if Hargraves has played. I'm not sure if his, does Florida play on turf. 
I, I don't I'm, think I'm Raymond sure James do. is turf. No, I, no I, Ray, Raymond James is, isn't turf, but I'm not wondering if like University like Gators is turf. Oh, uh, I I'm don't believe sure. so either. Um, so I mean, some players are better at playing on turf than others. Um, last week in New Orleans was turf, of course, because it's obviously it's inside. So yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, some players are just better at playing on turf. Hargraves, and it, the thing about turf is, it's obviously it's much more slippery than regular grass. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it just, for some reason, man, just, he struggles with turf. I, it, it's weird. It, it really is. Because you think at this point, like, you'd get used to it or change your cleats or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's just, I don't know, man. Well, I don't know where, where that week, the, the first two weeks of the season were. I don't know what they were. because I, It was a I mean, fluke, I guess. It, and, I mean, you're, you're basically calling it a fluke. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And and you're almost at the point where you're calling a lot of this like you're calling both wins like over the Rams and Panthers are most flukes. Um, as the weeks I tweeted this out last night. As the weeks go on, the 49ers win loss. I mean, looks better because the 49ers is just actually good. Um, so that Rams loss are three and looks three. better, <laughs> and that the Rams the Rams win looks worse. Um, because the Rams, yeah, they were three and zero when they played the Bucks, and then now they're three and three. Um, so, yeah, the 49ers lost looking better, Rams win looking worse, and really, I mean, the Panthers win. You could say that's almost a fluke too, because why the Panthers? The Panthers probably should have won that game. But yeah, I mean, uh, if, I, I'll say this: if they had Kyle Allen under center, they probably would have won. They would have, yeah. And I pointed that out after that game. I pointed out that hey, Cam Newton was not very accurate in that game. He missed some wide open guys that Kyle Allen just didn't yesterday. So yeah. um, he's good, I, and I think that Carolina should probably make the permanent switch, cut Cam Newton in the off season. Um, they could save, I believe, nineteen million dollars. So that's what I would do if I were them. And then um, we'll sign Cam Newton in free agency. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, um, <laughs> that was the free agent quarterback you were talking about. But right. <laughs> but back on the topic of Vernon Hargraves, we haven't forgotten about him. Uh, aside from when he wasn't continually slipping and falling over, uh, he just kept getting beat over the middle, and he kept getting beat deep because he simply can't keep up, and he cannot play outside cornerback. Uh, he can't make any open field tackles, apparently, either. So, it, we have the bye week ahead. Really, I really hope this coaching staff considers just moving him to the inside. Like, I know there's not really a better option to play outside. Of course, the easy answer is to throw Jamel Dean in there, but he's another guy who's kind of a question mark. You don't really know how he's going to do consistently, but how much worse can it possibly be? Uh, <laughs> I don't know because everybody's saying, "Oh, put Sean Murphy Bunting in." Guess what? If Sean Murphy Bunting can't play over the guys that are playing right now, what does that say about him? You know, um, Jamel Dean. Everybody hopes Jamel Dean is good just because he's like the guy that you haven't really seen much of yet. You don't know. Um, it, it's it's tricky. Uh, I thought Carlton Davis played okay, but I mean, yeah, Vernon Hargraves and just everybody else, probably besides Davis, is just a liability. Yeah. I mean, Davis, a lot of people consider Carlton Davis our best cover <clears throat> corner, but at the same time, it's not saying a whole lot um, because this pass defense is, is still ranked 32nd in the league after this week, I believe. 
Um, and they're back there for a reason. So this is not a star-studded group. It's a lot of young guys, which kind of sucks. Because uh-huh. people talk about, oh, well, after this game, let's just blow it up. Let's fire light. Let's bring in some new talent. Uh, what is there to blow up? I mean, you're young everywhere. Wow. wow. When you say blow up, they're like trade Levante David, basically. That's that's what that that's what that means. And uh, I think you, you laugh, but his contract's up at the end of next year, I think. Yeah, it's not not this off season, next off season. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they shopped him. Um, Cameron Brait, of course. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's a few other guys, but yeah, I mean, in the secondary, you're very young. Um, but I mean, well, I don't know. I think, that's but, I, I think when, when they, secondary. when people say blow it up, I think they mean like, you know, get rid of light. Hopefully Arians goes back in retirement. You get a whole new coaching staff, whole new GM, new quarterback. That's what that means. Right. So let me ask um, you something really quick about BA in particular, <clears throat> when it comes to blowing it up. Um, Bruce Arians was brought here to make Jameis better. If at the end of this season, he has not made Jameis better, and the Bucks are in a position where they have to move on. Um, does that just mean that B.A. and the staff are all gone and you bring in someone brand new, or does that mean you stick with B.A. and allow him to grow – not grope, Jesus uh, – groom a rookie quarterback to be kind of that next guy? Because, you know, we talked about he's probably not going to be the head coach of the Bucks for th- – Two more years, I'll say three years tops. I I, I said he was going to be the coach for, for three years. Yeah, yeah. So like, we'll stick with three years. But even then, you've got a season, two seasons to groom a rookie quarterback if you decide yeah. to go that route next year. Um, but like, where does that leave him? You know what I mean? Because if if Jameis isn't here, Jameis is his guy, mm-hmm. and if Jameis leaves, I imagine Jason Light's probably going to leave. I know we've kind of talked about this before, way at the beginning of the season, but we're in a different spot now. Where does that kind of leave things? If you know, let's just say starting from the top, if Jameis doesn't work out, where does that leave BA and the rest of the staff? Yeah, so I think Arians would get his choice um, on whether he'd want to come back or not. Maybe he, yeah. If if Winston, if they. If after the season they are fully convinced that Winston is not the guy and they want to move on, I don't see any way Jason Light is back, no matter his relationship with Bruce Arians. Um, Glazers have shown, I mean, I know they said Light just signed an extension or whatever. Glazers have shown they don't care. Like, they'll pay people to not coach for them or not be their general manager. Um, I think a few years ago they just stopped paying Mark Dominic and stuff and um, probably just recently stopped paying Lovey Smith. I think they're still paying their cutter. Um, so I, they don't care. And things um, like that are really what kind of makes a lot of people start to question the Glazers. And I'm, I'm starting uh, to get to that point as well. No, no, I've been on that point for a while. They're, they're, if you look at the, the organization, the Glazer boys are the main, I think they're the biggest issue and the most the scariest issue because you can't do anything about it right uh you can't fire the owners right you have to hope that they sell the team and they're not going to do that um one thing i do hate is that people who say they don't care because i think they care they care because they put loads and loads of money into this team since like 2012 probably they put a lot of money into this team um 
the issue is that they just don't know enough to pick the right people. They hired Lovey Smith, and Lovey Smith went out and found a general manager. They only kept Jason Light because Jason Light could get Bruce Arians. They didn't really want to go out and find their own general manager, which is why a lot of people are brought up a possible, you know, just have a president of football operations because that's what a president of football operations would do, right? Yeah. It goes owner, president, general manager, head coach. That That's how that goes. Um, one name I liked is Derek Brooks, just personally. Um, I think he would be a pretty good fit as a, as a president. Uh, Tony Dungy would be another name, but I don't think Tony Dungy would have much interest in getting back into a front office of or any type of football thing. Yeah, I think, I think, Brooks, he, I I think, think he's Brooks, very comfortable where he's at. Um, I think Brooks would be a good choice for a president of football operations. But the Glazers, yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't have a good track record, and... I mean, if they let go of light and Arians retires, they're left on their own. And they have to go out and hire a general manager and hire a head coach. Um, of course, you know, if they hire the general manager first, the general manager could say, hey, you know, here's the three head coaches that I'd like. Here you go, right? And they, the GM could help them with that. Um, but it's it's tricky. It really is. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Um, like I said, Bruce would have his choice. Light would probably go. The Glazers obviously are going to stay and have to make uh, some big decisions. So it, uh, it's a their their team and they can do whatever they want. So yeah, um, it's definitely a weird. We'll it's definitely a weird situation to be in, and we will see how it plays out. There's still ten football games left to be played. Plenty of football left in the year. Like I said earlier in the show, the season is not over, folks. Do not go around saying that we need to tank the uh -huh. rest of the year and plan for this. You're two and four. You're not in a great spot. And when I see the season isn't over, I don't mean expect this team to go on a tear and make a playoff run. But at the same time, there's still room for that if they really get their S together after the bye week and want to go that route. I don't know. Difficult yep. to see the Bucks winning well, eight out of their next ten games, but you never know. Here's a, here's a tweet from Daniel Jeremiah, which is actually pretty good. Okay. He just literally just tweeted at 142. He said, Marcus Mariota misses too many layups, and Jameis Winston attempts too many threes. And, I mean, that's that's just the correct analogy. I think um, so, It, it just is. Um, that's just that's what it is. Marcus Mariota misses too many layups, too many of things that he got to hit. Like, he doesn't do enough. And or big plays that he can hit, and he doesn't, and just takes a check down. And Jameis Winston takes too many shots. So yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and also uh, you know, Peter Report because Bruce Arians at a press conference right now. Uh, Peter Report said Bucks Bruce Arians says that a game like Sunday doesn't change what he thinks of Jameis Winston as ability to be a franchise quarterback, as we said a few minutes ago. Uh, but says that if it happens again, it'll worry him, which you basically said as well. Um, yeah. and, and I agree. If if he has another game like Carolina, he's gone. Um, it does not matter. And things will get ugly if James Winston is gone because, like we were just talking about, does Bruce Arians retire? Um, not really sure. But, yeah, if if he – if if that happens, it's going to be pretty ugly. So we'll see. But uh, whole season left to play. Uh Let's move on to uh, the big, I think, the turning point. And that was the, the Bobo Wilson muff yeah. punt. 
I, I was gonna say let's kind of w- let's focus more on we the rest talk of the about game. The game much at all. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. Oh no, you're good. Um, but yeah, let's focus on the rest of the game. Uh, we got a few more things to break down from Sunday, and then uh, we'll go ahead and get out of here. But yes, Bobo Wilson, the guy you just brought up, he has continually been a non-factor in the punt return game for the entire season. And the only effect that he had on Sunday benefited the other team. And I it's get good, good wording. I, I get for a while, you know, that people defend him. I know you've defended him in the past, and I get it. I understand that for a lot of the time, especially when you lacked a guy like Ryan Smith, uh, the blocking was not there. There was yeah. not a lot for him to do. But with Bobo. There have been enough times for him to make a decision and pick a lane and just go, and he has yet to do that. He does not look good as a returner, and not only that, but Sunday, he muffed two punts in a row. Mm. And, I mean, the second one, Carolina recovered, they scored a touchdown, and that was the ball game. So yeah, yeah, and, and you knew even after, like, after they, they didn't, they didn't score a touchdown to kick the field goal. Um, and that's what got him to 37, but it was 34, I want to say it was 34, was it 34 18 at the time. Oh, no, I think it was 30, 34, 18 at the time the Bucks were getting the ball back. So they had a chance to make it, you know, 34, 26 or whatever, and just didn't. So, um, but yeah, that was the turning point. That was when like you knew basically, all right, this is, it's over. Um, so I've, I haven't, I don't know, you say defend, I just say try to reason because I don't think Bubba Wilson is a good returner, but it's hard for any returner to do anything when there was three. There was, I believe, on one of the first punts, and I tweeted, I was like, everybody wants to, I think I quote tweeted you. Yes, you and did. And I, I basically said, like, you know, Bubba Wilson had three Panthers right in his face before he caught the ball. What do you want him to do? But at the right? same time, there um, was another return where he had enough oh, I, I, I know. to run backwards and, of course, and lose those yards. After I, after I tweeted that, yeah, he was terrible <laughs> the rest of the game. But, so yeah, yeah. Um, thank God nobody really caught on to that tweet either. Um, so Now they're all going to find it after listening to the show. Oh, people listen to this? Yeah, exactly. That's the, oh, that's okay. the weird cool. part. <laughs> well, the football team isn't entertaining. Hope the podcast is. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, Bobo Wilson. I'll say this: a guy that I miss, and I think that they pulled the trigger a little too early on getting rid of, was Sean Wilson at the running back position. Yeah, he wasn't that great of a running back, but damn, he was a pretty okay returner sometimes. Okay, yeah, yeah, Sean. I believe I think he's still with Washington right now. Yeah. Um, and then everybody's like, well, why'd you get TJ Logan? He does nothing. Look, it's a kickoff. Like the, how, why is it, how is it his fault that they're kicking the ball out of the end zone every time? Well, I, I and that's the that's thing not as his well, fault. Is like, I, I don't know why people expect when you get a returner, a guy who is known as a returner like TJ Logan, I don't know why people expect him to break for a touchdown on kickoffs. You know what I mean? When's the it, last you're, time you're not going to get a. I, I don't remember the last time I saw a kickoff return touchdown. I think it was like 2011 or 2012. It was probably no, Sammy Strotter. I, you know why? Because I, I, well, for the Bucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, for the Bucks, yeah, probably. But I'm talking like NFL in general. Like it's probably been not this season. It's probably been a year or two. Yeah, uh, they just don't. Kickers just booted out of the end zone now. They just do. Well, it, and, I mean, you, you change know, the rules of the kickoffs after so much year after year. You know, they used to kick the ball off. What was it from the other twenty yard line? Now they've yeah. moved it up to closer to the forty. I believe. And now, yeah, and now if you fair catch it instead of on a twenty, it's on a twenty-five. So right. You know, they change the rules so much for player safety, and I get it, but that ultimately leads to a lack of kickoff return touchdowns, and those are probably the most exciting play in football, but it's a shame that you, we don't you see think, it. Do you think it's the most exciting play in football? A kickoff return for a touchdown? Are you serious? I don't know. What is your what is your most exciting play in football? Exciting play? that Okay, and I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to cheat. Like, oh, it's a flea flicker. No, I'm not going <laughs> to Um. To me, it's just the deep shot, man. Just the deep shot. Like, did you watch the Jets-Cowboys game yesterday? Yeah, I did. The, the shot that Darnold had to Robbie Anderson? Yeah. That, yeah. Dude, that I... Wide open, right in space, right in the middle of the field? Oh, man. I need to find the girl that gave Sam Darnold mono and go get some so I can be a starting quarterback for the Bucks because apparently he came back. And, I mean, he just blew the roof off the place, dude. They exposed Dallas for what they really are. And, and I mean, credit to them and the Jets. That's that's good to see. But, yeah, Darnold had a hell of a game. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that That's the most exciting play in football. I can't change my mind. I get you, man. The kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, what sold it for me is um, if you've ever watched – go on YouTube if you haven't. There is um, – oh, God, what was his name? Michael Spurlock. When Michael Spurlock had the first kickoff return touchdown in Buccaneers history, don't look at the TV broadcast. There's a video in particular. Not Gene Deckerhoff. No? There's a video in particular. It's this woman. I don't remember the username. It's not a very popular video, but she's standing up in the nosebleeds. And in the information in the video, it says she took for like 15 years – she took videos of every single Buccaneers kick return, and before every single one, she would go, this one's history right here, and for 15 years, she was let down until the Michael Spurlock one happened. I'm getting chills right now just Whoa. talking about it. Swear to God, I just got chills. Because her, <laughs> I swear. Her reaction when Spurlock actually breaks free on the right side of the field and everyone around them is incredible, and that's why, to me... It's the most exciting play in football because yeah, but I mean that was the first one in history. For the yeah, team. yeah, like, but that's what sold it because everyone since then. Come on, dude, do not tell me that if next, well, not next Sunday because it's the bye week. Uh, the Sunday after that in Tennessee, T.J. Logan from the one yard line just takes it to the house to start the game. Will that not get you pumped up more than anything else they could have done on that first offensive drive? Deep shot. Deep shot. Ah, I don't know if I can convince you, but it's all good. We're all about separate opinions here. So, one more thing to talk about from this Sunday game in London, and then we're moving on because that's the best thing we can do, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we talked a lot about individual performance here today on the show, but another glaring issue that I have is how incompetent and undisciplined this football team is. And it hasn't been that big of an issue, but we saw quite a bit of it in London where might as well trademark it at this point. Bucks are beating Bucks. Uh, the Bucks gave up 15 yards before even punting the ball 
already deep in their own territory. They got flagged for three false starts in a row. I was was laughing my ass off by the time the third one came around. Someone said on Twitter, it would be less embarrassing if Bruce Arians walked over to the Carolina sideline and was like, hey, we're going to give you guys 15 free yards, just letting you know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. dude, it's those situations. I mean, at this point, the game was far out of reach. But it's those situations that continually lose you football well, it, games. It wasn't. It was at the, that was at the end of the, the first half. Was it really? Okay. Yeah, and that's well, why and Carolina got the ball at the 50-yard line. And they fair catch it with one second left, and they had that free kick. Dude, that free kick was stupid. That was the first time I've ever seen. Yeah, I've, I've like never that. seen that before. I'm glad that he missed it. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was going in. You know, you know. Either way, how, how things go. Yeah, really. But either way, the way things work out for the Bucks, it just it a lot of it goes back to them beating themselves. And if you want to change the culture that everyone has talked so much about, I feel like it's just a lobe in my brain talking about the Bucks culture, that word culture. But if you want to change the culture, you can't give up 15 yards before you punt the freaking ball. Yeah. It's just sad to watch, man. It really is. Also can't have your quarterback basically have seven turnovers, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can't. And also um Maybe give Ronald Jones more than four rushes or whatever. Yeah, let's Maybe. talk about that. We totally forgot to cover that, and I had it on my notes. Ronald Jones, four carries for 10 yards on Sunday. What the hell is that? Like, I get oh, that you want to ride the hot I, hand, I, I love but when why, is, gets angry. why is Dare Ogunbowale showing up in a game more than Ronald Jones? Like, from the beginning, it was Peyton Barber heavy, and I get that because week in and week out, he's going to be the first one being fed the ball. But, oh, man. Evan, shed some light on this for me, dude. Four carries for Rojo. I don't understand. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I wish I could shed some light. Uh, I, I don't know. It, I know they, 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 like I said, they didn't play Jones much against Carolina the first time. But, and I know why Ogunbowale is kind of in uh, the game like late because they're passing the ball all the time and Ogunbowale is probably the best blocker they have. Um, so they need to keep him in. But early in the game, yeah, that was weird. I just don't understand. I, I really don't. And O.J. Howard, you know, you put the ball in his hands and he goes 30 yards and then he gets one more catch. So, like, uh I don't get it. Like, using those two guys, like, after the I, – I believe it was the play after that OJ 30-yard screen pass that Ronald Jones scored a touchdown. Yeah. You have to use those two guys. Those two guys should be the future of your offense. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones, OJ Howard. Boom. Yeah. Any, any quarterback, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over – should be able to walk in there and have some success. Well, and here's the thing with O.J. Howard as well. Another name you brought up. You saw what happened when they used him on the screen, huh? And I gave you I gave you credit on that. Uh, I gave you credit for that on Twitter because we had talked about on the last show. You're like, just use O.J. on a screen. Just do it. And they so did it, and the they picked up hands. a first down and way more, his biggest play of the year. Yeah, just get the ball in his hands. Like, I personally, I don't believe all in trade rumors. I do not believe they're going. They're not going to trade OJ Howard. I don't think so. Um, if, if he was on an expensive contract like Cameron Brait, maybe. But right now, he's got two years left of cheap control. They're not going to trade him right now. 
you know, it's just not going to happen um, unless they get blown away. But I want to ask you this before we end the show here. Would you rather give up Cameron Brait and a second for Patrick Peterson or the Buccaneers' 2020 first-round pick for Patrick Peterson and a fourth-round pick from the Cardinals? I'll go Cam Brayton a second. Yeah, that's what I would have done, too. Yeah. Uh, it, we talked about it on the show. Cam Breed at this point is a luxury. And you kind of look at his performance comparatively to OJ this season. Cam Breed has shown up a lot more. I think those two touchdowns that were taken away from him week one were pretty telling of the pace that he set for himself this year. Because, I mean, when he's needed to show up, he's showed up for the most part. I mean, yeah, yeah. he'll get a check down every now and again. But he had one pretty, pretty big play in London uh, on Sunday. So... I like the pace that he set for himself, but at the end of the day, he is a luxury, especially when you have an athlete like OJ who, at this point, you just want to see him used. And yeah. uh, it, it kind of builds this question mark of, of how well he can mesh with this offense, but you got to use him to find that stuff out. And at this point, I yeah, the second round and a Cam Brate seems like more of a bargain for me because those first round picks, depending on where you are, those are valuable, man. Especially if you're gonna need a quarterback. Yeah. Um, anyways, but I'm not really gonna talk about Patrick Pearson much anymore. Uh, I, you know, apparently the Cardinals have some interest in trading him. I do believe the Bucks are going to inquire. I believe they already have. Um, but. This team getting Patrick Peterson sure to help the defense out, but. This team's problems are far more than just a shutdown corner. So if you if you think that the difference is a shutdown corner, you're in denial. Yeah. Now a rough spot for Bucks fans to be in, but the good news about all of this is that we are headed into the bye week, and I did. You don't think... have to watch this team on Sunday. <laughs> well, you might have to because maybe there's a chance they'll blow an 18 point lead at halftime to the bye week and end up two and five. Um. But you got to hope that the adjustments are starting to be made, and I think they will be. I think they will be, and I think we'll see a team a little more prepared for that last stretch on the road because the teams that they finish this stretch against uh, are no slouches. I mean, you've got Tennessee that I still kind of believe is going to be a win, uh, but after that you got Seattle, and then, of course, you come home and you play Arizona, and you'll be at that game. And my friend, I am looking for tickets to that game, so I should be there. That's the key word. Yeah. Should be there. But right. if if it is, we'll make it happen. Maybe we'll meet up at the What the Buck tailgate again, or we'll make something happen. All right. So before we go, ladies and gentlemen, we do have one major announcement regarding the show this week. So as I just mentioned, it is the bye week. Bucks are going to be making some adjustments, and there isn't going to be very much happening around one buck place. Uh, so Thursday, we will not be doing a show. We will save it for next Monday. Uh, and if anything happens between now and then, of course, we'll talk about it. But we'll probably do another one of those Q&A mailbag episodes. And we'll just kind of talk about how you guys feel about the Buccaneers up until this point. So maybe we'll have some fun with it. Um, but yeah, so no show this Thursday. But Tuesday... We do have a brand new Bucks break that's going to be dropping. You can actually listen live if you're watching on Monday. Listen live tonight, 102.5 The Bone, 10 p.m. It is the weekly Bucks break on the Johnny B Show. I'll be in studio taking your guys' phone calls and talking up everything Bucks with another diehard fan and a great person who is Johnny Bell. 
lot of people know him as Johnny B. It's his show, and uh, we're just kind of hanging out every Monday night. So it would be awesome if you listen, and if you want to, you can also call in 727-579-1025 and 800-771-1025 are the numbers to call 10 p.m. every Monday night on 1025 The Bone. That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video, whether it was on YouTube or BucksReport.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all of those Cannon Fire Podcasts. Just search it, and you'll find us. You can follow myself on social media at Reticus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S, on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me. I'll follow you back. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucks Wave on Instagram and Twitter as well. And before we go, a quick shout to our sponsors, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you need an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with marketing solutions for today's industry. These guys do it all. Wide format, banners, decals, apparel, vehicle wraps, posters, magnets, anything and everything. All the way down to business cards. Make sure you give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and here's to hoping things get better. We'll talk to you guys next week after the bye week. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.